0: I am someone that doesn't watch the news. I don't, it's not, not that I don't know what happens or what could happen, but I don't fixate on it. And it doesn't stop me from doing things that I love or want to do.
1: Hello, everyone. I am your host, Lion, and I believe we are conditioned to fear in a way which holds us back. This is especially true if you are a woman, and I am very passionate about bringing you the voice of women who have done a lot of work to deprogram and transcend that fear in pursuit of their greatness. Please join us as we learn from Alicia about her journey and how she found the courage to deprogram and transcend the fears which hold a lot of us back. Hello and (laughs) welcome, Alicia. Thank you you. so much for making the time uh, to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hell yeah. So if it's okay with you, I'd love to get started by uh, sharing an intro uh, with our audience before, before we get into it. How does that sound?
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: All right. Fantastic. So um, thank you so much to the audience for, for joining. Uh, I'm very excited to present uh, Alicia. Uh, Alicia was born in New Jersey, um, just outside of Philly. Um, her mom had her young um, and uh, her real dad um, has was in prison has uh, been in prison her whole life and, um, you know, went there even before she was born. Um, and growing up, um, Alicia and her mom, you know, she grew up uh, living with uh, her grandparents and then um, soon thereafter uh, moved uh, when her stepdad came into the picture. And that represented a really big change along with step siblings. Um, And so I share that to to share, you know, the how challenging, uh, you know, of an environment experience uh, that she had as a result of what I just shared, Um, you know, but that didn't stop her. Uh, Alicia, when she was old enough, um, she sought out her freedom. And she built a practice Mm -hmm. around stepping out of her comfort zone um, to start traveling Um, her travels took her to places like montreal um, europe and colorado Um, and um, as far as her career goes um, she is an imaging tech which as a career uh, lends itself well to being uh, a nomad and then a few years ago as a result of things that we'll find out, um, Alicia was moved to become a biker, Mm -hmm. um, which is a big decision. Um, you know, especially as a woman, because as you all know, right now, there's a huge disparity where most bikers are men. And so Alicia is, you know, um, a badass and a trailblazer Mm -hmm. um, who hopes to inspire other women to live as boldly um, as she is and all of us, really, not just women. Yeah. So thank you, Alicia. Is there anything that I missed that you wanted to sort of chime in on?
0: No, I think you covered the basic beginning.
1: Hell yeah. So let's begin by you sharing the story of how we met
0: all right so i got a job in san francisco i was here for uh, like half of a day and i found the center um which is like a yoga open space tea house in san francisco and it happened to be a full moon there was a sound bath Uh, i was like this is my place um I took a break from the sound bath and was waiting in line for the bathroom. And open mic was also going on um, in the back room where you were. Um, There was no no interaction, but I did see you there. I was watching you guys play music. Um, And then when the sound bath was over, I hop on my motorcycle. I'm looking for music, trying to find the right song for the mood. (laughs) You approached me like, hey, I do this podcast get out of your comfort zone and immediately I was like yeah that's that is something I'm practicing almost daily um and it really resonated with me when you said that and then the whole woman empowerment and me being on a motorcycle um and going that route I was like yes yeah this all really aligns with me and then you're like yeah let's talk about it sailing I was like yes yeah I've I've been on the sailboat, but I've never, like, sailed. Yes, I love that. Sailing in Berkeley, yeah. We capsized. (laughs) Great time. (laughs) was nothing but laughs and screams and really great.
1: Yeah, you were slash are a really good sport. And I think, (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, that time of the year, the water is colder and um, it wasn't as sunny and we (laughs) capsized, I would say around like the midpoint and you were okay, you know, you were okay uh, going back uh, out there, you know, Mm -hmm. so... Um, yeah, that, that speaks volumes for your, um, um, your resilience and just like not letting something like that, you know, stop you from having a good time. And we had an amazing time and you did amazing. Like you're a natural sailor. I'm going to say it all lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, let's, um, talk a little bit about, um, your childhood. Um, because I think that's a very important aspect of of who you are. So in the introduction, we talked about how, you know, um, for a large part of your then young life, it was just you and your mom. And then there was a, a big change with um, your, your stepdad coming to the picture. So help us understand, you know, how your life changed and sort of uh, the challenges associated with such a big life change, right? From, from your eyes as a six, seven-year-old kid.
0: Yeah. Um, so my authority was really only my mom and my grandparents, but they didn't have like full authority over me. So to have another person come in, and I, I don't really like rules, it um, was very difficult. And I didn't really feel understood um, in a lot of ways because I'm not like my mom in a lot of ways, um, where I do like adventure and I do like trying new things, and I'm stimulated in ways of like sports and like getting my energy out that way um, mm-hmm. and I'm now realizing a lot of that is from my dad that my biological dad that I didn't even grow up with. Like I inherently am like him in a lot of ways now that I'm learning more about him and building a relationship, um, which is interesting. Um, and also it gives me a better understanding of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was definitely difficult not having family on, the same page as me and not knowing Mm -hmm. how to give me what i needed
1: Mm -hmm. and so um how, how did the landscape changing um and you know um your environment going from your mom being the only authoritative figure um, to, to now there being uh, an additional person, um, sort of um, make you feel restricted, um, in ways that maybe perhaps before you felt like you had more agency, uh, mm-hmm. ability to communicate.
0: Yeah. Um, I definitely didn't feel heard in a lot of ways, um, and they had their own communicative issues and as a child mm. being stuck in the middle of people that can't communicate well mm. is very difficult. Um, mm-hmm. and I was definitely very angry, um, mm. because I, I didn't feel hurt. Um, mm-hmm. And there's definitely a lot of changes. Um, not only a yeah. dad, but then siblings, and then they started their family. Um, and I just became a part of that.
1: Mm. You know, it's really interesting because uh, earlier in this conversation, you mentioned how you're rebellious, um,
0: inherently.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, um, and that's a label that 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 you know sort of um, the world. Puts upon us, and I remember that when when you and I were chatting, uh, one of the things that you shared is how you got used to being told because it was told so many times to you that you're bad, you're being yeah. bad, mm-hmm. and I wonder, you know, um, as it relates to um, you experiencing anger for large parts of your childhood what did that look like and how much of it was fed um you know um by this frustration
0: (laughs) teen angst is very real um (laughs) yeah i was angry for a lot of my childhood um I was a bad kid because I did bad things. Um, So really just lashing out uh, because I didn't feel seen or heard um, or understood. Um, Which kind of brought me which kind of brought me to people that were different.
1: Um, As a result.
0: Yeah, I was always Like friends with the punks and Mm. (laughs) other angsty people, artists, adventurers. um, Yeah. Gravitated towards people that did things a little bit differently.
1: Who, yeah, who were in some respects, um, as a result of not being understood, kind of pushed out of the mainstream, uh, but who were living life in a more eccentric, brave, bolder way, right?
0: Yeah, which wasn't really my my mom didn't really like that.
1: <laughs> so, you, you mentioned how, in a lot of ways, you and your mom uh, were quite quite different. Mm-hmm. And are you able to speak to that uh, a little bit more, especially around you know fears? Um, you know, that that you all have, especially as two women, right? Mm-hmm. And the mother, daughter.
0: Yeah. So I have little fear. Um, my fear is more social. My mom's fear is the world. So mm-hmm. she's afraid of flying. She's afraid of being in, in closed spaces. She's afraid that something with the weather is going to happen. Um, anything on the news that has happened, she is afraid it's going to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. or worried that it will happen. Um, hyper fixated on it. Mm -hmm. And I am someone that doesn't watch the news. I don't, it's not, not that I don't know what happens or what could happen, but I don't fixate on it and it doesn't stop me from Mm -hmm. doing things that I love or want to do. Um, so, like, me going to Canada by myself um, was very hard for her. Um, I definitely had to check in and, like, tell her I was alive. Um, but a lot of her fears and I would get phone calls of, like, what was going on in the world. And I did have to make a boundary at one point that I didn't want to hear about the worries.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you so much
0: that way, but I didn't want to hear
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is really valuable because um, you recognized the power that her fear projection has and as a way of of trying to protect yourself, Mm -hmm. um, you know, communicating that boundary. But I mean, like this was when you were an adult, like when you were traveling through Canada, you were already 13. an adult. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, if, are you able to elaborate a little bit on how um, this like world of fear that she wanted to raise you in affected your childhood and maybe the amount of freedom that she gave you to, you know, explore Philly, which is like an amazing mm-hmm. city, right? <laughs> or like your maybe maybe yeah. or like your 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 ability to socialize, right? Yes, yes. And
0: um, yeah. So I was not allowed to go into the city. Um, I was taking art classes in Philly, oh. and I was only allowed oh. to go to the art class. Like, no walking around. Philly's dangerous. People get murdered. Crime rate is this. Um, and so of course I'm like, I wanna, I want to go on South street. I want to see like all the artsy stuff. I want to see the graffiti. I want to experience the city. I live in a small little lake town in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, so one day I skipped art class and I was like, I'm just going to walk around the city and mm-hmm. do it. Like it's one of my last art classes It's one of my last like chances to get out. <laughs> um, she found out our studio like called her oh she wasn't here today and I was like what the fuck Um, (laughs) so then that's me being a bad kid I'm a liar I'm not trustworthy Um, and my privileges my freedoms are then taken away taken away taken away even more, taken away and I'm getting angrier and angrier and more like I want to do the these things. This is what I want to do, and I'm not allowed to do it. And then, not only am I not allowed to do it, I'm punished for trying to do it. And it was always like a, a spring break or something. I'd get grounded, like right before spring break, and <laughs> I'd be mm. not allowed to do the things that my friends were doing um, with their time off. Mm-hmm. I'd be stuck home, but my friends were bad kids anyway, so it didn't it didn't matter to them. Um, but I, Mm. I just wasn't trusted. Uh, like parents would always have to be called. And so naturally a friend would pretend to be a parent and like, (laughs) it was Mm. just me trying to do what I wanted.
1: Yeah. And like, it pushed you to do things that you otherwise wouldn't feel the need to do. Yeah, I wouldn't feel um, need to you lie prefer. if I was allowed to. Yeah. Thank, thank yeah. you for thank you for sharing that. Um. Well, when you finally got old enough, right? Um. Your really first big, big step mm-hmm. out of your comfort zone to like feed this. Beast that was growing within you, of like uh, I want to explore. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> very much. Like that.
1: Right, yeah. right. Was Montreal? Yeah. Why Montreal?
0: So Montreal was a train ride, like a twelve-hour train ride, um, and I had gone on a trip with a friend. To Toronto Uh and then to Montreal Um, Uh and I just fell in love with the city it felt really European and like it it felt like a different country where Toronto was like Mm -hmm. uh, Canadian New York but still very Mm -hmm. similar to what I've experienced in the United States so Montreal Mm -hmm. was like French architecture people were speaking French the food was interesting Um, and I was like yeah I love this. (laughs) Um, I was being social. I was allowed to drink there. Um, I was an adult at 19. I was like, yeah, this is like, no parents, no rules. I love this. And that's what I fell in love with, was the freedom of, oh, you want to do this? You can. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. You want to explore that? You want to go to the, go walk around the church? Walk around wherever. Um, there's no one saying that you can't.
1: Mm-hmm. And one of the a couple of things that that stood out to me when we were chatting about your experience uh, traveling through Montreal is that um you didn't really have a plan. That you were just mm-hmm. like kind of going with the flow and exploring. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and how it allowed you to experience things that, you know, when you're just open to the unknown and what might come up as opposed to here's my itinerary, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then also it was your first time staying in a hostel yeah. and there's still yeah. to this day quite a lot of like, especially <laughs> as a woman, like you're staying in a hostel. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was
0: like when the movie hostel was relevant and- Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so my mom was not she was like you're gonna get murdered in the hostel um but I stayed in the hostel by myself um I made that's actually how I made friends um mm. because there was other young people mm. staying there um so how would you not make friends mm. but um my itinerary would be the hostel I'm staying at and like maybe one or two things that I saw uh that looked interesting and i'd be like okay like i'll go and do that or i'd look for music um, Mm -hmm. and go that route but most of the time i would just walk around the city and that is my favorite way to explore a city is just walking around um just kind of popping into whatever you stumble across and Mm -hmm. it's always something you're bound to find something
1: Yeah, when you leave room for the mystery, that's when you experience magic. Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And, you know, it sounds like you had an overall pretty positive experience in a hostel where you felt safe, you felt comfortable meeting and making friends, even at the age of 19. Um. So... Let's talk about Europe because mm-hmm. that's a very juicy story. Yeah. Um could you kind of set the stage um and uh paint a picture of like you know what was driving you to Europe, right? And kind of like the preparation that you did financially, and then I'll I'll get into some of the questions.
0: Yeah, So I was Twenty one. I was working mm. at a pizza shop. <laughs> I wasn't really making a lot of money, but I was like, mm. I have like two thousand dollars and I am going to Europe. Um because Montreal, I was like, yeah, I really like the European vibe. Um and originally it was gonna be England. um
1: uh, mm.
0: I was gonna be <laughs> on a farm <laughs> in England <laughs> wolfing and I got my plane ticket. I land in Heathrow and they ask me a million questions that I don't have the answer to. Like, well, they're like, how long are you here for? Who are you staying with? And I, I'm like, I'm here for like two months and staying with family friends for a little bit. Um, I'm traveling around and they're like, okay, what's the name of your family friend? like, Like, what's his last name? I haven't met him He's my neighbor's cousin. I don't know. Um, I don't know. And he's like, well, what's their address? What's their phone number? I'm like, I have their phone number, but they're picking me up, like I don't have their address. And so like we don't have enough information to let you in. They sit me down and I'm like getting Wi-Fi, finding out his information. And I'm like, Okay, I have like I have it, I have his <laughs> I have his <laughs> last name and everything. <laughs> and they like take me back back rooms of heathrow. Um, search my bag, they take like a calendar and a piece of paper that says i'm a diabetic um and i'm in this like holding room for a while before they interview me and they're like okay so on your calendar it says you're going to be on a farm what are you doing on the farm it's like farming um and they're like you need a volunteering visa to do that uh we're sending you home i was like but it's not volunteering it's an exchange um they are giving me a place to stay and food and i'm learning how to farm yeah It's not volunteering. (laughs) So, no, they sent me back home um, with my return flight. So I then, uh, my parents split the ticket with me to fly to France. They wouldn't let me just go to France from England. They're like, no, you have to go back home. So now I'm down to like $1,600 going to France. I got a train ticket. Uh There's three countries, six stops. So I did France, Italy, and Germany. And I did two cities in each country. Um, Mm -hmm. I tried to do like a bigger city and a smaller city. And Mm -hmm. that was like as far as my plans were. Um, And then I was couch surfing. So I found people in each each city or for the most part. I was like, I can still like figure it out on the way. Um, But for the Mm -hmm. most part, I had somebody already before I was leaving. Um, and I wrote down all their phone numbers and their last names, <laughs> and I get to Paris, and they look at my passport, look at me, and they say nothing. Stamp it, I'm in. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was traveling around for six weeks. Um, towards the end of my trip, I ran out of money, and mm. my parents wired me like two hundred dollars. <laughs> Two hundred dollars got me from Munich to Berlin and back to Paris. Um, not um, not by any fancy means. Mm. Uh, definitely scrounging and kind of relying on my hosts for food. Um, mm-hmm. So when I got to Berlin, my host was like oh i'm fasting (laughs) and i was like oh wonderful i'm (laughs) fasting too i guess (laughs) so (laughs) we fasted for the the day i think i was there for like two two days a day and a half Um, Mm -hmm. and i think I, i i bought something like on my travels like something small but we didn't eat um and then I got to Paris and that was like the last, like I only went back to Paris cause I was flying out of Paris yeah. and uh, yeah.
1: Wow. <laughs> so I want to talk about a few things, but like first before we get into it um, for the audience, could you clarify what wolf or oh, wolf- wolfing thing is? and like what the acronym is
0: so woofing is w-o-o-f it's worldwide organic farming
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a great platform if you want to travel for practically no money yeah um and just change the scenery
0: and And if you're into the
1: outdoors Mm -hmm. yeah um one thing that so i'm a couch surfer as well and i've hosted quite a few people um, there's a lot of um, fear projection around couch surfing as a woman, mm-hmm. right? And in my own experience of like the women that I've hosted and just like other fellow women couch surfers, um, you know, it is an area where you have to be more watchful. And so, how did you sort of ensure, you know, like, despite Um, you know, fears around it, how did you navigate those fears to ensure safety um, for yourself?
0: So I would talk to them. You can share messages. Um, You can even share. It was Facebook at the time. uh, Instagram Mm -hmm. wasn't a thing. Um, So like having their Facebook, you can kind of stalk them. Um, But really just following my intuition and just like inherent knowing um what people's intentions can be depending on how they say things and so like if somebody's like you're so gorgeous like you're welcome to stay on my couch blah 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 and goes on about looks and like appearance I'm probably I'm not gonna stay with you because I know I can assume what your intention is um like this isn't a date um it's a it's a host like you're just hosting somebody, helping them out and in a way, traveling yourself by having people through your house. Um, Mm. But it was definitely men that I was staying with because Mm. women wanted to meet for coffee first um, Mm. and like meet in person before inviting me to stay at their home, Um, Mm. which would have been fine if I had more money maybe and i could like get a hostel for a night and then like go that route um Mm -hmm. but i didn't really have the resources like that um Mm -hmm. so just like filtering through people Mm -hmm. having conversations and just trusting trusting them trusting myself
1: fucking powerful Mm -hmm. and Um, I think that's a big um, thing. Like, I'm a big believer of cultivating your intuition. I think, like, that's a whole nother podcast. But (laughs) um, one of the things that's quite prominent in this story is how you, you were strapped for funds, right? And, like, one of the big things as a nomad, when I meet people, they're just blown away by me and I'm like oh my god it's my dream to go here and the question that I always ask them is what's stopping you yeah
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and the most frequent answer that I get is oh money
0: money time oh
1: money Mm -hmm. yeah and like you know time
0: to take off I don't have enough money to do it Um...
1: yeah yeah and like you know time time is a factor that you know we don't have the time to get into right now (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: But <laughs> <Touché.
1: laughs> money is like you know, like when you really want to travel, it's to like see new things and like how you you're living. Yeah. And it's like, do you are you traveling for luxury are you traveling to like see a different way of living? And to explore to like have a feast of your eyes, of your mouth, of mm-hmm. just all of your senses and your spirit, right? And, and to be out of your
0: comfort zone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 you know, this experience that you went on is a perfect example of how you made it work, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there were moments of discomfort when you were just like fasting <laughs> without <laughs> this is it (laughs) um but like what were some of the ways in which you made your money last so you mentioned how you know you would um you know try to couch surf and like how you would try to vet them but what are some other ways in which you like made your money last and stretch
0: i didn't really do a lot of super touristy things that Mm. cost money um Mm. i did like the vatican um i don't remember Mm. how much that was um but a lot Mm. of my time was just like wandering around the city um and Mm. i'm into photography so that keeps me pretty busy like i can just walk around and take pictures and i'm happy um Mm. but kind of doing that introduces you to people um Mm. which opens the door to really generous people that are like, oh, you're mm-hmm. traveling all the way from here. Let me buy you lunch. Let me buy you a coffee. Like, just opening the door to receiving.
1: Mhm. And how did you navigate that as a woman, if like the person who was offering was a man?
0: Yeah. So.
1: That's kind of complex, right?
0: Yeah. Um. Boundaries. <laughs> um, kind of holding your own um okay i don't know using your yeah. words
1: <laughs>
0: um, a lot of the times is- it was women who wanted to i would meet up with people from couch surfing also uh-huh. um just okay. to like hang out a lot of them wanted to practice their english um so they were super excited to just like hang out and walk around or like they would have suggestions of things to do sometimes um mm. if you went to the i went to the bmw like exhibit i don't know mm. <laughs> um just because this girl wanted to practice her english um, mm. so things like that mm. and girls were more willing to meet up and hang out um like i went to the flea market with a girl um and we hit it off and we ended up, like, finding – there was, like, a band playing at the flea market. And they're, like, we're playing a show tomorrow night. And we're, like, oh. And I was, like, maybe I'll stay another night. Like, I'll have to talk to my host. But I think I can stay another night. And she's, like, yeah, let's go. And so, like, that was something I could do with somebody. And, again, not really spending money. Um, I don't – I think it was a free show. Um, So, really, all I was spending money on was food alcohol and um food and alcohol really Mm
1: -hmm. and you know the one thing i will say that kind of comes up for me is uh with couchsurfing hosts you know as somebody who's a big believer in in that community of couchsurfing i think it's so beautiful that people can open their homes um for the most part without expectations of like how much time you are spending with them and understanding that like they're giving unconditionally to a fellow human a kindred spirit who's as passionate as they are because they were in your shoes Mm -hmm. right um and just like hey you know do your thing and and you have a place to rest your head um at night yeah uh, which I think is so, 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 so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: when I had a house in Denver, I was, it was definitely an open door. Um, yeah. Paying, paying that forward.
1: Fuck yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you know, you, you brought up Denver. So, so let's go there. <laughs> let's go. Um, you, um, you kind of grounded yourself when you moved to Colorado, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and you kind of, uh, um, got a case of the, the nine to five and, and all of that as part of, you know, um, growing into your current career. Um, but what I remember from when we were chatting is, um, how you would still, despite the limitations that you had on you uh, as far as the the working life, every chance that you got, you would pack up the car or your Subaru or whatever Mm -hmm. um, and and get out there. And Colorado is such an amazing state when it comes to nature. I mean, I absolutely love it. Um, But the thing that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about is you did that mostly solo, right? Mm -hmm. um and going out in nature like that and so many women um and this is one of the things that I'm very passionate about is because so many women that I've come across who have this fear of going and exploring and being in nature solo Mm -hmm. and so I'd love to hear a little bit more about you know what drove you what your experience was like
0: so I did have at least one dog with me sometimes two dogs um and I was drawn to it I was like I don't I I don't need money I can (laughs) go out in my Subaru and I can camp in the Subaru if it's too cold or just sleep in a tent and I was like this is a way for me to explore Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like I do in cities um I got -hmm. really into hiking when I moved to Colorado um and that was like something i really love something i still really love um being active with outside um mm-hmm. but the fears i had were more like animal related and not even really big fears not mm-hmm. um not a lot of safety issues like i didn't ever feel like i wasn't safe
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and i was out there like every weekend driving like 4 or 5 hours into the mountains mm-hmm. to kind of get in away from yeah to get away from people and to just really experience nature
1: yeah and speaking from personal experience colorado like when you're in the mountains can get pretty desolate yeah. um where it's just you nature your dog, and whatever (laughs) creatures. How
0: many people did you see? I was like, I only saw two people. It was great. And she's like, only two people. (laughs) 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 Yeah. The less, the better. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, You know, just earlier when you were talking about Um, sort of the solo exploration you mentioned how it doesn't take a lot of money and I think that's a great segue to talking about your current lifestyle as a nomad Mm -hmm. uh, who lives in her van right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I'd love to hear is with your current career um, and the money that you make how has that impacted your finances as a result of you know living in a van and what does that look like for your finances
0: my finances are the best i've ever been in my whole entire life um traveling pays very well and Mm. the living stipend really is what pays very well the hourly is less than usual um but the living stipend is untaxable and it's a lot every week um so that's where Mm. the real money is and then me not having an apartment in denver and then also paying because that's what they're paying you for is they assume that you have another you have a full-time residence and then you're getting an apartment in the city that you're working in where i i only have the van there's no other home Um, Mm. So I'm able to save a lot of money and that gives me time. And that is my most valuable possession um, that I learned during COVID is that time is, time is the only thing that matters. Um, So having the ability to take time off because I'm making so much money and saving so much money, um, I'm able to take three months off and not worry about it um granted i'm not not living like a luxury lifestyle the that money is gonna last me three months and then i'm hoping to still have savings like i'm not spending on things that i guess guess comforts really i'm not really spending on super comfortable things um hot springs yes (laughs) but like hotels and airbnbs no not really um it's a very Mm -hmm. simple way of living that i'm comfortable with
1: and i wonder how much of this comfort that you feel now Mm -hmm. came as a result of the discomfort that you felt when you were in europe Mm -hmm. only eating once a day (laughs) or not eating at all Yeah. And, like, you know, the day we went to, uh, uh, well, the day we spent together sailing, you know, um, you fed me Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but Trader Joe's <laughs> is fucking top shelf in my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah and
0: I definitely um it's funny buy food for other travelers that I mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm buying your meal. we're having breakfast or we're doing this. Um, but that is something mm-hmm. I really like sharing
1: with people and your lifestyle allows you to be that generous and yeah. spread love yeah. in that way, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, how you're living feels comfortable because of the practice of stepping out of your comfort zone. That's the biggest, that's the biggest, most valuable thing. And I'm so grateful to you because it came up in such an organic way because I wasn't even planning on bringing it up, but like building a practice around stepping out of your comfort zone to seek discomfort makes you Ultimately become comfortable in that situation and find (laughs) joy in that situation to where it allows you to then start living that way and creating abundance where there previously wasn't because of the money that you're saving. But then it also feeds your fearlessness, right? Because you're a lot more likely to take a risk. If it means, you know, financially, you, it might set you back. So you're like, what? What's the worst? I'll live in my van, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It makes you more fearless to take yeah. risks, which can allow you to have more success in life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving this. With that, um, in the limited time that we have left, um, I'd love to learn about where were you in life? What was your relationship with motorbikes, mm-hmm. you know, um, before you became a biker, please?
0: Yeah. So I was in a relationship for five and a half years mm-hmm. and then he was really into motorcycles and we did mm-hmm. a lot of motorcycle trips. He came from like a family that was into motorcycles. His dad like was started his own club and is Mm. deeply embedded in him um Mm. and it was something that i was always interested in but i never Mm. was really exposed to um so going on all these trips i loved it i was like this is amazing like we're outside Mm -hmm. the winds in your hair like we're traveling and we're like also like super outside and just like super freeing it was a very freeing experience um and like only having what you have on your back and like you can't really overpack and you're very at will of the weather um i I just loved every part of it and i had kind of like thought about getting a bike uh when we were together but it didn't really work Mm -hmm. out um he really wanted to go to arizona and he was like You can find you a bike in Arizona, Um, but I never wanted to go to Arizona. Um, And part of me was scared to get a bike um, because my driving record was not the greatest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, People that know me have seen me drive (laughs) a car. (laughs) It's, uh, It's a little sketchy sometimes um so i was definitely like i could die i could definitely die on a motorcycle and and part of me thought that like if you crashed you died like that was it there was no you didn't survive a motorcycle accident you were either really fucked up or you're dead um but i was still like i want to try (laughs) so when my relationship ended I almost immediately, like a a month or so after, signed up for a motorcycle class. Um, Mm. It was a weekend course. You get your license at the end if you pass. Um, So it was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. Uh, And I had never been on a motorcycle like me starting it. Like I was always on the back. Mm. So to start this course, it was a little overwhelming. Um, Like Mm. I didn't know how to shift. Mm-hmm. the clutch and everything um uh, is very new to me um mm-hmm. so i took the course and i still like maybe i maybe it's not for me maybe i like just being a passenger uh looking mm-hmm. around and not having to worry about dying because i'm mm-hmm. just like all <laughs> trusting and like oh yeah it's fine it's like in their hands mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but the minute I started the bike and we like did our little back and forth in the parking lot, I was like no i I really love this um This is a great feeling um and so I did the course, and I passed I was one of the only girls to pass the course uh, the only girl in my class um there was probably is probably half and half of women to men um only two girls that were my age and the others were, um, like older women. Um, and a lot of them just backed out, um, Mm. after day one, uh, when we started doing like turns and stuff, um, they're like, no, actually this isn't, this isn't for me. And a lot of them had been on motorcycles, like passengers. Mm. Um, and they're like, no, like this actually isn't, I don't feel comfortable, which is fine. That's fine. Um, but I, I passed, and I was all excited. <laughs> um, and I got a bike that week. I went to the dealership, and I was like, I need a bike. I need a bike, like, right now. <laughs> and I got the motorcycle, and I had never been on the road. I had only been in the parking lot. Um, and I called my friend, Elise. I was like, Elise, can you meet me at the Harley dealership and, like, ride home with me? Um, because I... I haven't done this <laughs> and she's like yeah and her and her partner came and met me and like escorted me home and like one of them was in front of me and another one was behind me and we like got on Colfax and yeah it was a whole experience and I made it home and I just started riding around, riding to work, um, taking the bike everywhere mm-hmm. I could and this was September so it was like limited on how mm-hmm. much good weather I had. Um, but I got really into it and that fall like later in the fall um I reached out to I only knew like two girls that rode which Mm -hmm. is Elise and um this other girl Casey and I reached out to Casey I was like hey like would you want to go for a ride like I'm looking for people to ride with like a little bit I wanted to get out Mm -hmm. of the city a little bit more um, and she's like, hey, I'm going to bike night. Um, we're going to ride mm. to bike night if you want to come. Um, and this was like a Wednesday night thing uh, in the city. And he's like, okay, yeah, like, that'd be cool. And so I met up with her and we rode together. Um, and there is like a handful of women that rode. Uh, and one of them reached out to me. Her name was Tara. And she had been in the community a little bit longer than, like, She's pretty new to the community as well, but longer than I had been. Yeah. Um, and then I just started meeting all these girls, really through her and through the Denver community uh, that started riding really at the same time. There's like six, five or six of us that started riding, like mm. 2020, <laughs> um, and we really bonded. And we're not we're not all still friends, but I still have a core core. Friend.
1: Friend group there. Hell yeah. And so what I picked up from that story is that um, um, if you sort of, if you've never been on a bike, right, Um, get on a bike. Because you don't yeah. know. It you might know. light up a fire. <laughs> it might light up a fire within you. And if you have been on a bike in the passenger seat and you felt this sense of exhilaration, Maybe consider and like know from Alicia's
0: Exploring. life.
1: Yeah, that, that not only are there great resources and courses to teach you how to do it right, but as a woman, there are other women out there you know they aren't as frequent as men but and they will probably go out of their way to support you
0: yeah there's definitely Um, a community of women that ride and they're mm -hmm. great
1: and they're probably close-knit yeah and i'm sure anybody who's listening to this podcast if they feel inspired you're the kind of person who would make themselves available Um, to talk to them, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) You know, Alicia, I have to say, I am so in awe of you right now. And I want to share with the audience how fucking amazing this woman (laughs) is because, you know, um, You've never done a podcast before. Mm -mm. And um, one thing you should know about Alicia, these are her own words. Um, Alicia (laughs) told me, I live in silence, okay? (laughs) Like, Alicia loves her silence. And you would not have thought that based on how she carried herself today, how boisterous, how vocal you know, she is today, you would not have known that like, she was nervous. And that, you know, she is this person who lives in silence. Mm -hmm. And that's a testament to your courage, um, your boldness, and your authenticity in just showing up and um, speaking your truth for a purpose that's greater than you so yeah. i salute you
0: mm-hmm. thank for you. that thank you
1: cheers mm-hmm. cheers um with that i want to thank you once again for for showing up making the time sharing so generously so mm-hmm. deeply
0: thank you for yourself making the space for that
1: it is my passion and my pleasure Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I also want to thank our audience in the here and now, as well as in the future mm-hmm. for, for, for making the time to tune in and join us. And with that, until the next episode, I wish you love mm-hmm. and light.
0: Thank you, you too.
1: Mwah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone series. I hope it moved you and inspired you if you are feeling stuck with something in your life. If you would like to further connect with our guest, please see their contact in the description. Please consider taking a moment to rate this podcast. Please also consider showing us some love on your Instagram story. You can find our info in the episode description. Until the next episode, I wish you infinite love and light. Thank you so much for tuning in.